Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, brought to you by Roast House Pub, one of Frederick's finest craft beer and culinary destinations, where great people come to drink amazing beer. Visit them to track their taps and menu at roasthousepub.com, or download the digital pour app to track what's on tap. This is episode 51 with Diamondback Brewing Company. I'm your host, Chris Sands, and we have co-founders Colin Marshall and Tom Foster in the studios this week. Thank you guys for coming out in this, uh, what if you paid attention to the news, seemed to be like the worst blizzard of the of the year, and you, schools canceled in Frederick. Uh, I don't know how you made it here. Bomb cyclone. <laughs> That's what they called it on the way out. So. Was, was it worse in, in Baltimore, at least? Or was oh, it no. still the same, like, the same as in Frederick, where it was nothing? Indian slush, man. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I, 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 my, even my daughter came downstairs this morning, like in a panic because it was light out and she normally wakes up when it's dark yeah. asking what was going on. I was like, oh, there's a few snowflakes outside. You don't have to go to school today. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! That's a nice little thing to wake up to. So you guys are located in Baltimore, in the, yep. like in the city, right? Downtown. Yep. I mean, Locust Point, so Southern Peninsula. Okay. Or extends out right by Under Armour. So that's a good place to be. It's and awesome. I haven't made it to the brewery yet because um, okay. the couple times I wanted to go, my deadbeat friends had something happen, and I didn't want to drive out you by myself. you got to get something on the books and make you stick to it. He should, yeah. yeah. Um, but the pictures I've seen to it, it's beautiful. Yeah. And there's that awesome, huge smokestack, right? Like, mm-hmm. is it kind yeah. of, like, go up through the does, building yeah. to – like? So before we even go to any – I want to hear about that first because okay. it just looks so awesome. I think most people actually walk into the brewery and then they see the outside of it where the mural is painted and then they come into the brewery and they say, is that the same part of it? And you're like, yeah, that's the same part of it. You have to back up. Most people don't even get there. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Good yeah. point about that. So um, is it hard to find or – I mean, it's tucked back. The way the landlord kind of designed it, we're back behind um, some of the other buildings that are in that spot. There's a full, like, courtyard out front and then a full patio that's finished now. So, like, once you actually go around the corner and look for it, it's there. But it's in a development that has a lot of other three- and four-story buildings in it. Okay. So it's tucked back around the corner. But kind of like it. It's a little bit more of a speakeasy style. It gives somebody a little bit more of a um, – It's a sense of accomplishment when you find <laughs> you. Yeah, you're coming to drink beer, man. we got to make <laughs> you work for it a little bit. So is it an old building or is it – Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, originally a mattress factory, I believe. Okay. And then – Coca-Cola had a uh, production of corn syrup there, and then it was Philip Seafood. And so we're kind of, the interesting thing about the space is like we're finally doing manufacturing in the city again in an area that's so like built up residentially and built up retail. And so it's kind of cool to be that little niche that still maintained a manufacturing use. Yeah. So what was that smokestack part of before? What The one thing that we know that it was definitely used for was when Coca-Cola was in production there. So the proximity to Domino's Sugar allowed them to create syrup at a low cost. Okay. They didn't actually bottle and carbonate all the liquid there, but I think they just sent the syrup off for later production somewhere in the United States. Um, but they had coal-fired engines downstairs, and they had to get the smoke out. Oh. So they trucked it out up 30 feet. Uh, well, not really trucked it out. They kind of moved it out and then into the smokestack, and then it rose out the top. So that's why the smokestack goes down through the building all yep. the way. And yep. that, that's cool. Yep. All right, so now let's just go back to how I normally okay, start. Yeah. Um, have you two known each other for a while? or we have, and how, yeah. mm-hmm. how, What were you doing before you decided to start Diamondback? Um, well, we met each other in high school, 
and then obviously maintain friendship throughout college. Um, and then I was personally um, living out west when we were actually developing the business. Um, but Tom can speak to a little bit more about what yeah. he was doing. So, like, we have another partner, Francis, who is not here today, but we went to college. Is he afraid of the weather? Uh, he's afraid of a lot of things, but, <laughs> but uh, he just couldn't be here today, so it's just me and Colin. But Francis and I went to college together at University of Maryland, and he also went to high school with us, too. But um, that's where we kind of got into the brewing scene a little bit, and we saw a really good opportunity in Baltimore because like you said there's not really a lot of breweries in the city like walkable a lot of them are kind of like in weird industrial places yeah they're all on outside the outskirts, the outskirts in your exactly. typical industrial park yeah. type so we saw that opportunity and we were really getting into beer and enjoying making it and so we kind of sat down sort of jokingly and we're like why don't we just come up with an idea for a brewery were you and drunk during that first probably time? yeah <laughs> drunk a lot in college but um like it kind of just snowballed and snowballed and and like one accomplishment after another and it, we sort of kind of just wound up deciding to get into it and we really raised money and stuff and found a location in Baltimore that we loved and it worked out pretty well for us. So I'm guessing the name Diamondback comes from you meeting at the University of Maryland. <laughs> yeah, we wanted yeah. a name that was like Maryland-esque but yeah. not like in your face Maryland and so that was kind of like a underhanded kind of reference i'm pretty sure the only way you could get more maryland is if you just named it maryland brewing company yeah, i mean you'd be <laughs> so surprised <it's> <laughs> some people are like oh you guys from arizona or something or you guys like riding bikes and mm. stuff so <laughs> it, it, it kind of has more than you'd think yeah yeah it, we're really into walmart bikes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't recommend taking those to patapsco or anything but yeah the it's not too much in your face maryland i think when people actually see it they realize what the state turtle is of maryland yeah. and then what the actual mascot is of university of maryland so they put two and two together and they figure it out but the logo isn't necessarily indicative of a turtle itself so it takes a little bit of thought um but we love the name yeah it's a great name and i it, and i guess being living in maryland it was obvious that that's what sure. it was an o2 and then actually I, once you mentioned going to the university of maryland mm. then it's even more obvious that yeah. that's why you chose that's correct so the, you, did you start straight out of college? That's where you started? Uh, probably about a year. Um, I mean, actual production was about a year to a year and a half after college. We started developing the business in 2011 or so. So brewing and um, developing recipes and actually, okay, you know, Tom, you're good at this. Fran, you have a specialty with this. Colin, you can do this. Um, and then from there, it just kind of developed into, okay, we're making good beer. And like Tom said, um, you're just kind of hitting benchmarks along the way. Um, and so technically launched in November of 14. Yeah. I um, but yeah, while I was living out West, we would just get together, you know, what's our logo, um, licensing, and then, um, exactly how we're going to launch the company and when we would do it. So it took, I mean, from 2011 until 14. So we planned for probably three years or so. Um, just like a lot of people do. Um, and the fact that you were still in college at the time, so we weren't going to launch a brewery when we were in college. Yeah. I had to graduate before we actually got out there. But, um, yeah, 2014 was the launch time on that one. So what what did you go to school for? Um, I was business, poli-sci. Which um, comes in handy. It's sure, yeah. yeah. You, there's a little bit of politics in beer, especially nowadays. Uh, this uh, yeah. I was just talking to one of our reporters today. This year's uh, ter- ma- has the makings of being even more fireworks than last year oh, with yeah. the 
bombs that are already being thrown yeah. from each side of the political aisle. Too. We could talk about that at length for a while. <laughs> I think there's uh, once they go into session on January 10th, it's going to be it's, all hell is going to break loose in a way if they don't control it. But yeah, um, there's a lot of people that are that are chomping at the bit to get this situation figured out. Um, but yeah, so um, 2014 was kind of the go into it. So. What did you major in, Tom? I was economics, so sort of in the same vein as, as business, but our partner Francis was engineering, so that was like a nice crutch to rely on as we were doing the build-out and, and sourcing like the brew equipment and stuff like that because he really has a better understanding of the actual science and mechanics behind it, whereas we're just like, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah get that one. Yeah. We weigh on on a little bit, but his mechanical engineering background is definitely helpful when it comes to um, mastering that system and then also tinkering with a few other installments we've had lately so yeah no matter how what how much of your setup you've purchased you're still doing plenty of your own fabrication and fixing and yeah it wasn't a all package coming into the brewery we're still getting um pre-milled grain for a while there um until recently we installed a grain mill to actually start milling in so that should be a fun fun part of the business there so let's take a quick break to talk about what we're drinking right now because mm-hmm. this is really just a perfect sit around drinking beer yep. yeah yeah um, this is omar so this beer has been around for a couple of years now once we opened up um our own spot uh we actually tinkered with the recipe a little bit more so all maryland oats from dark cloud malt house and i've been hearing their name a lot lately yep mm-hmm. they've they're got good. a wait list now or so right? yeah i mean they're they do a lot of really interesting specialty malts here and there they do a lot of two row and base malt for for some of the local guys around here um but we pretty much like bought their supply of oat malt that we use pretty much exclusively in this omar now we don't really use it for a lot of other brews but in this one it's a pretty heavy component um and so it's cool to have sort of a local flair in the beer so um, how early on was this recipe developed? Uh, I mean, it's changed a lot. Like okay. it, it was, it was one of those kind of like beat around recipes where you you brew it and you try it and then you brew it again and again and again. And uh, it sort of has fallen into a, a staple recipe for us now. Um, I'd say maybe it took a year of of tinkering to mm-hmm. kind of figure out what we wanted to do with it. And then when we opened up our space in Baltimore, we kind of had a certain image of and a certain idea of a beer style that we wanted to do and we have our house yeast strain that we use across the board for all of our ales and ipas and it's it lends a lot of interesting esters and characters to the omar that i personally really enjoy so you have you have your own specialized yeast strain that you use i mean every brewery pretty much has their own house yeast strain um that they use in the majority of their beers so Scott Van Spelt, Omar, Green Machine, um, any IPA that we put out is our house yeast strainer. Um, even the stouts we use on the house yeast strain. Yeah, if you go Belgian, if we're going lagering, um, we're going to tinker with a different style of, of yeast. Um, but this beer is, um, I think it's one of those ones that hides in the shadow of Green Machine so much. Um, because, you need some more, bud? I do. Yeah. There you go. It hides in the shadow a little bit because it doesn't it doesn't burst with citrus necessarily. Yeah. It has a little bit more of that um, soft mouth feel, rounder nose, um, kicking with a little bit of candy, I think, from the El Dorado um, versus the Green Machine that really kicks in with some Citra and Ella in it um, that has much more of that um, citrus nose to it. But 
Um, if I had my choice, I would drink Omar over Green Machine a lot of the time. It's just such an awesome, crushable beer. Yeah. To, and they're the same ABV. Um, so when you're drinking them, there might be different flavor profiles, but you're not switching up on the alcohol at all. Is Green Machine your number one seller? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yep. It's the one that we brew uh, the most of. It's the one that has the most demand. I mean, when you look at breweries around um, who has, you know, what's their staple? What are people talking about with their beer? It just kind of puts their the mark on their name, and that's the Green Machine right there. Yeah. So who um, – do you collaborate on your recipe development now, or is it mainly you, Tom, as the head brewer that's yeah, so what you're focusing on that? Like I run a pretty collaborative production side to the business. Like I like having people's inputs, and, and like the Scott Van Spelt was actually a collaboration between everybody that works at the company. And so, you know, I have a one guy, Dave, that works with me down there. And then I have a seller guy that we're training now, Taylor. And so it's just kind of we beat an idea around. And then we've brewed so many beers now that you can kind of go back and look at certain beers that you really enjoyed. And, like, what did I like from this and I want to do in a new beer? And so when we do, like, a Scott Van Spelt, per se, um, you take, like, a base recipe and you try out hops that you maybe liked or new hops that have come on the market and are pretty hot right now. Um, and so it's just a little bit of tinkering. So the um, do you do you guys have ma- your main cores or how many different beers do you typically have on tap in your tap room? Uh, right now it's seven. We were about two weeks ago. We were at close to we had ten we could have on, but we only have eight taps, so we can actually occupy at any okay. time. Um, the two beers that we make consistently are Green Machine and Omar. Um, though we don't make anything else that's necessarily in the core. That we've talked about playing with a third, um, but. Right now, that's just more in the works and more talking about for 2018 um, to get something more in the lineup. Um, but with only five fermenters downstairs and an eight and a half barrel system, we like to be able to tinker a lot with um, a bunch of different recipes. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a lot to be said to um, make a lot of a beer and and make a a good chunk of change on it and be able to reinvest that into other other parts of the brewery. Um, but I think what's the most fun for what I see in Tom and Dave and Taylor and the production side of things is being able to um, be creative, keep you on your toes, um, and actually be able to have something new on tap in the tap room two to three times a month, um, and then be able to launch something to the market that's fresh all the time. Man, it gives people incentive to keep coming back to you. Yeah, like, exactly. No, I mean, obviously, there's people are going to come back because they like green machine or omar and they want to have some of that but when you have that rotating freshness like people like especially in i think i don't have to tell you guys the craft beer aficionados are always searching for that next beer to try no matter how close it is to the one they just had yesterday (laughs) they still want to try that new one there's always something a little bit different in it um and we want to drink something different all the time like we don't want to be drinking the same base recipe with a hop change up a little bit you know So many people do that nowadays. It's like, oh, new triple IPA just coming out. It's like, oh, this is our same beer, but we changed the hops. Like, that's cool and all, but, like, try a little bit harder. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I do do like when breweries have, like, a – they choose a specific recipe and they keep the same malt bill and, like, like that beer's designed for that where it – they release it once with – and it's – like either just citra or it has citra as the focal point yeah the next time it comes out it's the same malt bill but then it's 
Simcoe is the feature or Hill Farmstead's running that right now. Um, they'll they're doing their single hop series. Yeah, I think they just released Mosaic today. Um, so they keep that same base recipe, um, and they're able to switch up that hop each time. I think they have a little bit more ability to play around with things than we necessarily do on the canning side and um, on the production side. But um, yeah, to your point. That's certainly an awesome advantage for companies to be able to do. Yeah, I like when people do that, but I think what you may have been talking more is like when it's kind of hidden, yeah. okay. <laughs> where it's just talked exactly. about as it's the newest thing, but really it's just the slight just play variation. on the novelty yeah. factor okay. instead of like actually putting thought exactly. and planning into it. Yes. So I want to take a real quick break to uh, thank Roast House Pub one more time and to talk about one of my favorite things they do is their beer dinners, which you guys absolutely need to talk to Nico about doing. Okay. This month is with Kushwa. And Good company. Y'all got th- Solid those, dudes. Those guys are great, yeah. and they're making amazing beer. But on the 30th, J- January 30th, they'll, they'll be doing a beer dinner with at Roast House Pub. Uh, tickets should be available by the end of the week. And keep your eyes open we will be having a contest to give away two or three pairs of tickets to uncapped listeners then on um january 18th oliver's brewing is having their 28th birthday bash or 25th sorry not 28th but apparently they're the oldest brewery or production brewery in maryland i didn't know that i did not know they're that old um and then January 25th um, is Mom's Spaghetti Dinner Night again, oh where um, <laughs> yeah. it'll be uh, our friends at Monoxy Brewing knocked off uh, Monument City on their run last oh, month. Oh, man. So the Western boys. Yeah. So knocking them down, holding their turf. I've been told that the, the challenger still has not been chosen yet. So, so is, this the, is this the beer knocking it out, or is this the actual spaghetti sauce knocking well, it down? Well, so that was how it was originally. Okay, because I got a for, mean spaghetti sauce. I mean, you could talk to Nico about that. Okay. Um, but I'll see now him today. it's mainly they, the um, – it's based on a survey done at the, at the end of the evening. Like okay. People choose which beer they chose the best. So it's it's um, crowd voting that chooses who gotcha. the winner is. Sure. So I guess there were there were some bad feelings about people's mom's spaghetti recipe <laughs> losing. So don't be talking about my mom. Yeah. Right? So yeah, so now it's just based on uh, people yeah, voting on which beers. So, which Monoxy beer knocked off Monument? Well, they I think it's typically done with three different beers. Okay. Um, okay. And uh, why'd you have to ask an actual question? Oh that, man! That See that I was returning yeah, it to you. That on is that not one. fair. <laughs> I, I did not sign up to be asked. That's questions. your editing. You have to do. Yeah. All right. Um, Back to your show. So, <laughs> so if you guys want to, definitely reach out to Nico. You could be the challenger to knock off Monocacy. Okay. Cool. And they have some. Um, some special IPAs and stuff out now that might be able to give you guys a run for the money. Okay. Uh, but I think. I believe they uh, they had Brutus and a couple. I think May, uh, sure. Radiant. Radiance was one of the okay. beers they had. Um, Brutus and a couple in one other one, but I can't remember. Um, so, if you want to be the challenger, I'm going to leave go. that one open ended right now. <laughs> I'm not going to commit myself or make any promises at this moment. But um, 2018 definitely has a lot in store. So could probably put that in the plan at some All point right. talk to the guys out at once and get some beer out to them and get it over roast house yes let's do yeah. that um so everyone keep your eyes open on um the facebook page i'll be posting up how to win tickets to the kushwa beer dinner and always thank you roast house pub for your support 
so you you when I first talked to you, you guys said you had some things coming up and in place that you wanted to do that you wanted to be able to talk about. Mm -hmm. What are those things now? We've got a lot for 2018 and beyond. I mean, we're really just trying to, I had this discussion yesterday with Zach Kaiser, who's our sales and marketing guru. Um, and we just talked about um, like how we really want to set ourselves up. And also with, um, it, if it, you know, a company's young, they, um, you know, you kind of go through some motions and you go back and forth on a few things and you're really trying to find your groove. And I think 2017 was um, finding our groove. And 2018, uh, we're really launching ourselves into a, a really um, cool moment for, for Diamondback and also an awesome year that I think um, will definitely maybe up us in the game a little bit. Um, so I think I would – it's more on the production side of things um, – we haven't really said yes to we're going to up our production or we're going to add more fermenters and we're certainly not buying a canning line anytime soon. Um, but I think Tom might have a few things to talk about in terms of um, what we'd like to do up in the beer game. Too. Now, production has been a struggle for you guys, though, right? With keeping up like, in that keeping up with demand. Yeah. That, like, people I, I mean, really I, want your beer and you've had trouble – uh, being able to keep up with the demand sure i mean i, th I think struggle might be a, a little bit it's a definitely a, a strong word yeah. to use um it's more about us really kind of running our pace um craft beer is so competitive nowadays that if you try to run somebody else's race or you get wrapped up in their their set of goals or their business plan or their idea for for their company or what they think the craft beer industry should do then you kind of lose sight of your own so we're just trying to um, stay intact with everybody else in the market, but also uh, focus on what happens inside the walls of Diamondback as yeah, well. Yeah, I guess the way I put it, I, more to say is that you quickly sell everything you make. <laughs> and um, and I, I can't remember what, I, I was watching an interview with someone recently, um, and they were talking about brewery expansions. And they were equating it to like, um, Silicon Valley and like how quickly a software company can grow and thing and like because they're you know that there there aren't physical goods you're buying or they're yeah. small but like to expand a brewery to meet immediate demand that may or may not be there in the future you have to spend a lot of money to yeah. and meet it's not that just staff, so it's, it's like capital yeah that's a so yeah that. you're spending tons and tons of money on a lot of stainless steel are, so yeah. it, it it makes more sense to kind of make sure that that's where you need to go right. instead of just jump. Oh, like, Hey, we just sold a whole bunch. We better. Yeah. And like, like Colin was saying, like 2017 was finding our groove in terms of a company. It was also similar on the production side. Like that was our first year on the brew deck using a system that we've never used before. And so 2018 is, is trying to kind of take it to the next level and start doing some of these crazier beer styles. Like we have a Voss in the works, which is basically like, we got 200 pounds of bread from Atwaters, and we toasted it, and we're going to make one tomorrow. And so we'll do that. We're going to do some lagers that we've kind of never really brewed before, but we want to take it to that next level. And then – So is that used completely in place of grain? Not or is it just a, a big part of the malt It's a big build? part of it. We'll probably put in maybe like another 150 to 200 pounds of just base malt to kind of get a little bit of ABV from it. Um, but it's pretty big chunk of it. Um, so how, how hard is it now to come up with creative things like that to do that other people aren't doing 
that aren't just a gimmick that yeah like, exactly like you don't want to be gimmicky yeah, you don't want to throw it's so fried obvious. chicken yeah, exactly. into <laughs> I'm glad you said it. yeah um, but yeah it's it's challenging mm-hmm. but like I said we work a really collaborative production side so it's not just like me sitting in a dark room trying to rack my brain for ideas it's like yeah, right. there's there's, <laughs> there's <laughs> definitely in there's a dark room three somewhere. other people that have say in the production side of things and like Colin can come down to me and be like Tom I want to do this. This seems like an interesting idea, and I'll listen to him. You know, it's not like just whatever I say has to go. Unless he, yeah. he tells you to throw some. Unless he says bread. fried chicken, really <laughs> he's gonna have to leave. But no, it, it it is true because Zach and I are out in the market so much, and um, fortunately and unfortunately, you can really see what is being put out nationwide via Instagram, yeah. um, and you can see where people are tinkering with things. The milkshake movement. Um, you've got, you know, people adding fried chicken to a beer, um, the IPAs, um, you certainly don't see a Voss coming out by anybody. Um, and then, uh, also on the logger side, heard of that before. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's not, I don't think it's something you'd want to do on like a 15 or 20 or a 30 barrel system. I think on our eight and a half, we can single batch, um, and just mess around with it, um, and see where it might go. That was to your collaboration part as well. I mean, I think that was a little bit more fun to be able to call up at Waters. Uh, we hit up Spike over um, with his group at Woodbury Kitchen just to see what sort of bread they would have. Everybody has stale bread, but at Waters was like no problem. You know, we'll store it aside for two weeks or so. Yeah. Um, so we went and picked up a couple so you hundred got fresh pounds. stale bread. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Borderline, cut it up and eat it. Put some butter on it. You might need to dip that in some spaghetti sauce. But um, for the most part, um, yeah, it was stale. And then we stored it, and then um, we actually had some help toasting it. So shout out to the brick and fire people. That helped us uh, toast that bread. Jesse, you stuck in there, man. <laughs> um, but uh, that's definitely a fun one. I think that what I'm most excited about, um, I loggers definitely don't sell as well as IPAs will. Um, but um, through some inspiration in our trip in August um, and also looking at um, developing more of a creative side of the brewery, um, it's really fun to watch a, and taste a lager develop. Um, and Tom and Dave and Taylor downstairs, um, certainly enjoy that as well. You know, this two week turnaround on, on ales and on IPAs, um, is easy and it's efficient and it gets, uh, a fermenter empty and opens it up to a new beer. But what about more of the creative process that we can, um, foster inside the brewery to, um, sit there and, and taste that lager to develop, um, and really mature, and then when we're ready, and be proud to put that out there. Um, and also to that end, there's a lot of articles out there that say there is a little bit of a resurgence of loggers coming out. People are dry hopping them nowadays. Um, they're adding some adjuncts to them, um, but you know, without really muddling the the tradition of a logger. Do you? Um, and it kind of see like you see a little bit of a trend and how much do you feel like it's going to take off where like the classic styles like that coming back, do you think that there's going to be a resurgence of that? Cause there I've, I've seen more Kolsch's and Pilsner's and loggers than ever before where people say yeah. they're coming out with them, which is such a juxtaposition to your fruit juice beers sure. or milkshake I mean, I, th- I think it starts at the brewery. Like, I think the resurgence that you're kind of seeing in some of these lagers is just the brewers like, I want to drink a lager. I've been drinking triple IPAs yeah. and sour bombs for two years now. I'm kind of sick of it. 
so at least for me like i love brewing we did a um like a zwickle beer keller beer kind of hybrid uh last spring or fall or something like that yeah it was spring and summer it was ridiculous like it cr- got crushed by all of us yeah and uh like so good that's where it starts and i think it's next goes to the consumer it's like how do you get the consumer on board with this trend too like some people yeah. will drink them just because it's something a little different but how do you evoke the same response from a lager as you do with these double ipas like that's i think the the question that we as brewers have to figure out an right. answer to and i think that speaks a lot to or transitions to the education piece we like to have in 2018 um, and informing the consumer that comes into the tap room, managers out in the market who are buying beer, bartenders who are selling it, um, and also the people who are buying it at bars as well, that like, this is what this style of beer is. This is how we've brewed it. This is how we've um, nurtured it necessary or to get it to the consumer. Um, and not trying to change somebody's Con- or look on the what beer should be or I just want an IPA but more like just give it a try like I think you're going to thoroughly enjoy this this style of beer and mix it into the style of beers that you actually purchase um, to kind of uh, develop your palate a little bit I guess um one one thing that the, like the research those styles helps with is like when you go to a brewery with a group of people and one of them doesn't like but I, I can't think of any of the stereotypical things people will say that they don't like about beer. Or they want. Do you have anything light? Or I want something that just tastes like beer. I yeah. guess would be the <laughs> probably the, the annoying thing right. that you might hear. But like those those styles would be the the things for people who want something that just tastes like beer. Sure. Yeah, and like we have so many IPAs on tap that we get that all the time. It's like. I'm here with my mom. She doesn't like hot yeah. beers. Like, what can you give her? And you're like, ah, oh, shit. Uh, I don't, I, uh, sorry. Just pick one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's why we have Ralph Nader on now. Yeah. Um, but also why we're, yeah, we're looking at what can we do to, to keep the tap, tap list diverse mm-hmm. um, and not just all ales um, because there are people who want to come in and drink lagers as well. So um, where did the name Omar come from now that this crowler is empty and we'll move on to the next <laughs> one? Uh, have you seen The Wire? No, I haven't. Okay, the Wire, that was an HBO show for a long time. David Simon uh, produced that one, um, but the, he, the main character was uh, Omar. Okay. Um, and it was filmed in Baltimore. Um, so when we started to develop this beer, um, we wanted a little bit of a shout out to Baltimore. Um, so if anybody knows Omar, the character, he's definitely a little bit of a of a um, of gangster. <laughs> um, he's definitely somebody who's rough and tumble, but he has a little bit of a soft side too. Um, and I think that this beer accurately describes that. So yeah, there's not much more to it other than a character on the wire. I mean, that's still yeah. good. You need good. to go watch the wire, Chris. I I've heard that quite a bit. Yeah. I think Graham's what don't, Nope, never mind. Graham oh has not God. watched that. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I'm not giving you my go password. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which one do we want to open next? Because I will open and pour while you tell me about that beer. Uh, Tom, I'm going to leave this one up to you. We've got Green Machine uh, and Scott Van Spelt left. Because we'll do like a little bit of a change of pace here. Yeah, there's not much left with this one. Put mine over there. Yeah, sure. No problem, buddy. Yeah, so Scott was a collaboration, I guess, between pretty much everybody that works for the company. Yeah. Um, kind of put the ball in, in Colin and Zach court and it was like you know what do you guys want to do and they came up with the idea for a spelt beer we've never used it before mm-hmm. um it's kind of like a, a raw wheat sort of product 
and uh, it, it, we didn't put a ton in. We probably, in retrospect, could have put a little bit more in the beer, but it definitely added sort of like a, a little maltier profile that is actually kind of similar to the Omar. It has the uh, Omar has the malted oats. This has the spell. It kind of gives it like that earthy, a uh, little bit of undertones that kind of supplement the hops a little bit. I think we were we were sitting around in a actually we were all at our respective homes or wherever we were at the time, trying to come up with a name. Normally, like we do, where you're about a week out from yeah, launching a beer and names. you're like, "What do we do?" <laughs> we didn't have to put a label on this beer or anything. It was just going in in package, um, but we had to come up with some sort of name for it, obviously. So um, we just started spitting around names a little bit. And then if you know Scott Van Pelt, um, he went to University of Maryland. He's a longtime ESPN. Um, analyst or, or um, newscaster, I guess you can call him. Um, and Zach Kaiser just said uh, Scott Van Spelt, and right then you knew it. Like yep, there was the no name. debating this one. <laughs> this was it. It rang so well. Um, and when we when we launched that name out in the market um, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, people were all over it. They loved the name. And with it being an IPA, um, and with um, from what I know, I mean, there's plenty of breweries that use Spelt, but I think. Gene up at Tired Hands definitely uses a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I think there's it. people that use it like in massive quantities. Yeah. It's like we literally threw one, like two sacks in here. <laughs> right. But actually, you know, using it and, and specifically calling it a spelt IPA um, was, uh, you know, it gave us a good good kickoff to the That's name. That's nice. I like that. Yeah. I was drinking it last night. I think it's really matured over the yeah, last. It has, it's developed a lot. And that, I think that seems to happen with a lot of our beers, actually. It's like you drink it day one and then you drink it two weeks later and it's totally different beer. Right. We advise keeping beers cold, obviously. I think all beers should be stored cold no matter where they are. But um, with this beer and with all of our beers, really, you know, day one, people want to drink it fresh. They want to get that taste. And that's okay. I mean, if you're going to get a different flavor profile of the beer on day one than you would on week two or week three. And I'm really enjoying this beer right now. I had one last night, um, and it just shone through really well. So you mentioned like you're you and uh, Keith, did I Zach. Name? Zach. Yeah, he's probably watching right <laughs> well, now. Well, he definitely is. It's yeah. his fault for not being here. <laughs> <laughs> um, are out in the field the most? Yep. Do you, so, do you look to the trends and what people are saying to guide what you're making, or are you do you just make what you want to make in the hope that people are going to like it? I mean, you you got to sell. So like. You look to a style first, um, and you say these are the styles that people are asking for. I mean, Casey over at Max's will buy, you know, a lot of different styles. Um, he's I got really the, like this. This yeah, is good. It's good. It's awesome. Um, it's. I mean, it's sold really well out in the market, and people are loving it. And then it sells well in the tap room. So name and and actual taste of the beer, um, they line up well. Um, so to your point, we we do listen to trends. Um, I don't think that that dictates what we do with every style that we brew um, and every style that we launch. Um, and that's also the collaboration we come down. You know, Tom will say, hey, what's what's selling out there? What are you guys seeing? What's moving across the nation? What's moving in Baltimore? Who's putting out what? Um, and then he also has his ideas of, you know, guys, I want to do, you know, a, a lager this week. Um, we want to do a, a Voss this month. Um, we want to bring back this beer that we had, you know, six months ago because um, it caught a lot of traction. But I think that the 
styles that sell well, we have to keep producing. Um, Green Machine, obviously, and then a variation of IPAs. Um, but then we also have to stick to our guns on what we want to see, what we want to drink, and then what we would also like to be representing Diamondback as well out in the market. Yeah, absolutely. Spot on. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of simple in a way, <laughs> but then actually executing a recipe, um, you know, most of the time, I would say, you know, 90% of the time, we're not tinkering with, with anything um, in terms of, like, if we're bringing a beer back um, or if we're launching something new. Um, but if there is something that we didn't necessarily like about, you know, Scott Van Spelt, this go around, we might change it up a little bit next time, but not so drastically different that you'd have to rebrand it to something else. That was one of the issues with Omar was that um, people were so hung up on, a, on the old style of it. They were like, oh, yeah, I've had that. And we're like, well, if you haven't had this recipe tweak on it, um, would you like to try it? Um, and they certainly loved it a lot more than the old style. Um, but they also um, – it was – right on that borderline where it was so much different um, versus like not that much different to us that we were like, should we rename it or should we just keep it the same? Um, and we kept it um, and people have definitely clung on to it pretty well. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of, in we even think in Frederick um, flying dog changed snake dog dramatically. They kept it in it's yeah. the same name. So, yeah. um, so it, it if you make something better it, right and you already have a name you like hey, stay with it yeah. <laughs> at some point you've already created a brand so you have to keep yeah. running with it um and enlighten people and educate them this is what we did differently um i'm sure there's many a tweaks that breweries make and they don't tell anybody um and they wait for either the market to notice yeah. or they just kind of leave it the same and and let the let the public um either you know yeah hey, this is way different or no it's the same it tastes great this yeah. is awesome so you know, we always joke about that too like there's even changes between beer styles that you don't even intend like we always joke in the brewery that like everybody always says this is the best <laughs> batch of green machine yet and like it's the same thing it's, nothing has changed but like there are subtleties that like the guys who brew the beer will pick up here and there and be like yeah it dried out a little bit more than it should have or it didn't dry out as much but the average consumer is probably never going to pick up those differences yeah that's I I see that all the time. Yeah. I love that. Like this is where you see like it's usually on um, drinking groups on Facebook yeah. or often on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Which you mentioned, I can't believe I've never. I don't think I've ever talked to a brewery about Instagram and how they feel about that because yeah. it it seems like one of the most used social mediums by breweries for yeah beer releases it's an adult picture book yeah <laughs> that constantly updates well it drives the the can thing the can yeah. craze is insane like people will upload and be like oh i got this can for my boy on the east coast and they're like out in Wa seattle washington or something and it's cool but i think it also kind of drives that mentality of like why isn't this brewery putting out 16 ounce cans every saturday like why aren't they doing yeah. it and so that's something that we've kind of struggled with is like we don't want to do that like we want to produce beer and have people come into the brewery yeah. and drink it in the best possible way it can be drank and so that's like what we were talking about earlier with educating the consumer on the other side of the business i think that's what we're trying to do so what do you think of um line life and trading <laughs> and all that whole subculture of craft beer i mean on the with the craft beer industry booming in the united states um it's there's been a lot of talk, so a lot of people are like the styles are changing a lot. So people are constantly being reinvigorated by um, a new style or a new chase or a new artwork 
um, or you know this brewery's putting it out and a bunch of people are getting together to go and, and get the beer um, but in some way or another um, it's kind of it's damaging to look at what some breweries are doing where you know they make fruited sours um, and I'm not speaking about anybody specifically but they might put it out and say, you know, refrigerate this immediately. Do not let it get warmer than X degree temperature. Yeah, because it's going to ferment to the point that it explodes. Right. So while the beer is delicious and while a minority of the market are keeping it cold all the time and drinking it pretty fresh, I don't think that that's something that we need to necessarily do with the craft beer industry. We're not doing it with, with Diamondback. We're not putting overly fruited sours inside of cans and then telling everybody, um, to keep it cold and then keeping ourselves up at night worrying about having to buy all these cans back or yeah. issue refunds and whatnot because that's two steps forward and three steps back. Um, and that's not the mentality that we're trying to drive. And I, I'm, you know, I'm kind of on the fence whether it's really damaging to the industry itself. I think it's fun to push the limit. Um, and I think it's, it's fun to um, get into not a dangerous part, but more like, man, this is a really good beer, but you know, we could have some problems with it. I don't know. You know, yeah. so like yeah. you, you push it a little bit, but is it necessary to really push it like that? Um, we're certainly not going to do it. But to everybody else, I hope it doesn't it doesn't ruin what we have going for us. Um, and then line life. We've experienced it. We sold out Hop Roth in an hour and a half, an hour and 15 minutes. At that one was point. actually one of the times yeah. I, I, want, I wanted to come out. Yeah. To, I knew I wasn't going to make it in time yeah. to get any uh, cans of it, but I wanted to at least try it on tap. But right. then my so we've done were, it. Like We've experienced it, but we didn't really get the bug to keep it going. And we also don't have a canning line. So yeah. um, the uh, headache of scheduling the canning – um, with Tom and the companies who do the mobile canning um, was just something that we don't necessarily have to really deal with right now. We don't want to deal with this young in the company. We don't want to yeah. damage anything. So, And I think Tom can speak to that a little bit more. I don't want to hog the mic. Yeah, I mean, it, like, I'm cool with having the line life be a supplement to the business, but I don't see a need for it to be, like, the backbone. Like, some yeah. companies, that's, like, their whole business plan is bolstered on the fact that they can sell $15,000 worth of cans every week. And that's cool, like that's awesome for business yeah. but like where does that like where does that get you like what's the difference between doing a double ipa this week and a double ipa the next week it's like why not do something different and cr- try and educate these guys in the lines like go out and hand out samples of something different and be like this is just as good as this like you should be excited about this too and so that's the challenge that we face i feel like was hot broth the only can you've done no we've done we've done a lo- you did a greener machine we, yeah, yeah, we throw a festival too, right? once a year, yeah. and we can that one. Um, and that's a double IPA um, that people are um, – we'll bring that back April 21st, I think, this year. Yeah. So we're scheduling. If there are any bands listening and you guys want to be a part of Greener Fest, let <laughs> us know. I know a band you could talk to. Yeah. Okay. The, one of the members are sitting right outside. Awesome. The, we'll talk the, to them uh, after then. Our theme music. Okay. okay. I mean, we've got that courtyard outside the brewery. As an aside, we have a courtyard outside the brewery that's going to be awesome for the – greener machine but we've done uh gone to november canning um hot broth ordering chaos just uh over thanksgiving break um i think it was like 12 total for the year okay yeah um so yeah we i mean we've done them but they're more uh they were more frequent in the beginning of 17 and now they've kind of gone to more you know every two to three months um so this month we are going to do a little variation of green machine um, and we're going to dry hop it with Galaxy and then can that one and release it on January 26th. 
Um, so that's the tentative plan right now. Um, it's real. It's I don't know. When I look at it, it's super fun to be able to, um, you know, experience people flooding the brewery and buying yeah. cans and hanging out and seeing faces that you've seen before in the market and then seeing new people come in and hearing people talk about it and whatnot. Um, and then we, you know, we'd love to make people happy, but we're also not going to let them dictate what we do with our business necessarily. Yeah, absolutely. So how hard is that planning and timing too, when you're using a mobile canner? It's very challenging. Making sure that the beer is ready and fresh the day that you have I the mean, canner there's, there's scheduled. There's days where we're like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Put that up there. Nice shot. Um, there's days where like we, Dave and I've been sitting down there at like 12 AM, like, okay, hope this carbonates. But, uh, like it's it's a living organism, so it's gonna do what it wants to do, and you you can only as a brewer provide a certain condition to allow it to do what it needs to do, and then kind of just cross your fingers. And so you got to schedule the canning date about a month ahead of time. And if something anything goes wrong, like we've had our chiller go down and break like the day before we're supposed to can, and anything can happen. And and so like Colin was saying there's certain things that you can put in a can that might be detrimental to your company. And I would never do that. Like if a beer was not going to be ready, we just would cancel the event. Yeah. And so there's workarounds, but still to that point, like I'm not going to make that the basis of my business. If I'm constantly going to be double checking myself. Because there had definitely been some breweries that canned and released some stuff that were, that had those problems where they definitely took a huge PR hit because the beer wasn't ready or the beer like, continues was, to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's People not, travel too. it's not it's dead like, and there's new breweries popping up every day that are trying to get a piece of this pie. Um, and I think in terms of what Diamondback wants to do in 2018 and moving forward is we don't want to create our own pie, but we'd like to create a different sector of the pie that we're not just trying to grab a piece of. Um, and so, yeah, the cam releases will still continue. We're not going to get rid of them. It's still fun to hang around the brewery on a Friday yeah. when we're releasing yeah. 100 plus cases, um, but we also have some other projects in the work um, that serve a little bit more of the minority of the of the craft beer industry, really, um, in terms of um, on premise and off premise buying um, and takeaway. Um, so, yeah, it's, it differs from a little bit of can style, um, and it differs in a little bit of style of beer, but um, just don't really see many people necessarily doing the things that we have planned um, to move forward. So give us one hint. Or just tell us. You can't. You can't just be that vague. About yeah. It. Um, yeah. I mean, we can drop a little. We're so yeah. we're starting a barrel program at the brewery. Awesome. So uh, it'll start clean, and then uh, we might move into doing some spontaneous fermentation stuff down the road. Um, but we got a space that's almost done completion construction. Mm-hmm. It's adjacent to the brewery. Um, it's climate controlled, so we're pretty excited about that. Oh, nice. So you, yeah. can, you can keep it segregated enough yep, or you don't exactly. have to worry about infecting so that, everything. I think we'll, we have a tank in there, and we should probably get our first brew in there maybe late January or early February. And then it's kind of just like a take-it-by-play take sort of thing. Yeah. We'll see where it goes and where it evolves, and it'll just be a nice supplement to the business that uh, not a lot of people are doing that kind of thing. It's, yeah. it's like a more sort of artisan practice and it takes a lot of time and it doesn't have a lot of payoff but it's something that we were really interested in doing like when you hear bottle release versus can release who's what are the what's the majority of the market getting more excited about cans cans yeah, yeah. 
because they get the four packs, the artworks on the outside, and there's <laughs> most likely an IPA on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> so great. I mean, like, it's good. It's fresh. It's new. Um, and it's moving down the East Coast, and that's what's creating the most buzz. But um, there's really kick-ass beer inside of bottles as well. And that's what we want to chase a little bit. That's what we enjoy drinking, and that's what we'd like to educate the our consumer base about, um, whoever it is, to come in. And, and if you'd never tried it, please try it. If you love it, well, then come and buy it and, and give it a try. So the project's not finished yet. We're still under construction. Um, there is no beer in barrels. There's no beer in the tanks up in that room yet. Um, but like Tom said, we look to ho- we look to pop something in by the end of January or, or beginning of February. Um, and like most people say that they say, yeah, the project's on schedule for this date, and then it might get yeah. pushed back yeah, here. So, God knows how yeah. we'll actually end up. <laughs> we'll, we'll officially, you know, say something when when we're ready to um, actually put something in the barrels and let it and let it go. Yeah, I think um, I w- I've been sitting here trying to think like who has like a bot like anticipated bottle releases. Not in Maryland. Like yeah. yeah, well, like local places. I don't can't, yeah. can't think of anyone. Well, like, Union Bourbon County Stout is yeah. really the only. Yeah bottled yeah, beer that's the chessy i guess that's yep. probably one of the only real ones around this area yeah they'll do the chessy in the bottles they've started to do the camera release a little bit more just because yeah, take a little slice of the pie yep. um but although one, they've been vocally against that well yeah <laughs> blodge has said some things yeah. that are definitely a little <laughs> bit against it but like i don't know when you realize the success of it um they've got some good graphic design artists there yeah. to speak on behalf of them and they are, are certainly um, they've got some steam going for their company in the past couple of years and more recent with um, with their new brewery that's under construction right now. So um, they've got a concept that's unlike any other. But, yeah, they have definitely attached on to a little bit of the um, green machine or the um, the camera release side of things. Um, so but, yeah, I mean, more I guess t- the closest would be uh Trogue's uh, Grand Crew version of Mad Elf when yeah. it came out. That yeah. was. Have you heard of Soul Nails no. yet? Oh. They're up in Easton, no, PA. Um, they do like a society where they have you know people who have bought into this bottle release program. Some of them okay. are good, and some of them need a little bit of work. But they're doing some bottle releases that we've noticed, and we've picked up on that on the Instagram topic. We've picked up on them on Instagram, and then people bringing in their bottles to try yeah. as well. So great branding by them. Um, really awesome company. Uh, just out on the eastern side of Pennsylvania. Um, and they certainly do the IPA versions as well. Um, but they've done this bottle release program um, that is definitely uh, catching some success on the East Coast. So kudos to them. Now, you guys have your own society too, right? The uh, smokes? A the club sort okay. of. Like. Yeah. Not, not quite like you're not promised any beer or anything like that. It's just okay. like you get every Wednesday we do $4.50, 20-ounce fills, and then you get like 20% off merch and stuff okay, like that. cool. It's awesome because you, when I went, I used to, when I lived out West, I went into this brewery all the time, um, Snake River Brewing Company, and there were people always carrying around 20 ounce mugs and you're thinking, you know, what is that? And you start asking questions and the same thing happens. People come into our brewery and they say, why does he have a 20 ounce mug? And then you start explaining them to them and they're like, they live in the area. It makes more sense for them to um, get a 20 ounce fill for a 16 ounce price and get cheaper drafts on Wednesdays. And then Tom does some awesome uh, programs every couple of months where we release a new beer. He wants to actually sit down in front of everybody and speak with them about um, 
about the program that they're in or or just something about a new style coming out or it, um, it's like the education thing that we've been mm-hmm. talking about so much is like an educated consumer is the best consumer you're going to have so like why not make it fun and talk about different hops talk about different styles of beer that people haven't necessarily had and so that's it a, a platform for us to do that yeah, so, and I mean, adding your spontaneous fermentation, that, that's going to have a huge component of education that you're going to have to give. Yeah, absolutely. That, that whole... To yourself as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to the public. That yeah. whole what is sour beer thing, it, like, uh, I, I think the vast majority of people don't really... Well, they think uh, it's raspberry puree in yeah. a, a kettle sour in a 16 ounce can but there's such another side to yeah. that that it will be an education thing for us as well as the consumer so that yeah i'm looking forward to that, to that. that'll be cool yeah, have to come still, down, it's still a little ways away yeah. but yeah. Uh, it'll it'll get there i feel but like. hopefully i'll make it out before that yeah. <laughs> well actually I, maybe maybe i'll come out for the 26 it'll be the first can release i ever attend yeah, please sure do. i've i've never gone to a can release at a brewery really? okay because I'm I'm very adverse to standing in line for things Uh, other than just like a few people (laughs) deep at a register. (laughs) Well, yeah, they've talked, they've, people have instituted the companies have instituted the ticket system. Yeah. That Um, makes it a lot. Yeah. Which definitely clears headaches for them getting backlash. I didn't get any, I stood in line for this long. Um, Burley Oak has settled it down by saying, this is what your allotment is. Uh, depending on where you are in line, so that yeah, was smart I, breaking it down like that. When I went, when I went there over the summer, it was early summer. They said they really struggle with how to handle that. Right. That they didn't quite feel like the ticket system was the way to go because then there, then they, then it brings in the aspect of people from out of the area buying tickets and having someone mule or mm-hmm. ship the beer oh, yeah. to them, and they want local people to be able to. Get it. get it get it but yep. then the same thing people still just drive forever and stay in line so i can see how it while it's very attractive that it still presents a lot of problems both in your head and probably logistically for a brewery there's yeah. a lot of upside but still some yeah and i mean is the beer necessarily going to be ready by the time we want to release it yeah there's you know, a how big many cases are we going to get what's our yield and then yeah, i mean it's exhausting too like yeah. it's all hands on deck day like we've when we do can releases it's like you get there at 10 a.m and you leave at one in the morning and that's like the whole staff it's like exhausting yeah yeah it's fun i mean yeah. it's it's great to see so many people coming in and enjoying this product that that you've made um, and lining up to do it, but yeah, how su- how sustainable <laughs> is it is really um, exactly. a, l- a little bit more of our our mantra. So, who does your graphic design? Because I, I what are you I looking lo- at? Well, I get. I mean, uh, maybe just your logos and stuff. So, like, I I'm a huge fan of just clean, simple design. So, like, it's so just simple, but I I love it. It's great. Mm-hmm. Just the I don't know what you call that figure, but the it triple looks, cross thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then even like some of your cans, because I know Hop Broth had its its yeah. own. Um, I think maybe that's the only can I've seen. Oof. Yeah, yeah. So we have a <laughs> like a sketch artist, Sam okay. Sam Hagley. Um, so I'll send him an idea and kind of just let him run with it. He always comes back with like the most ridiculous drawings ever, <laughs> and so I just drop that into a can label and it's good to go. And then. Gilla Press uh, from like the Hamden area did our actual logo, like the triple cross shield mm-hmm. thing. 
and then you know i just back clean up and kind of put things where they need to be in illustrator okay. and make it look good but you designed that full game i did though. do the crowler label yeah, yeah. i like, like that but like That's i cool. said i'm basically just taking like somebody else's design and putting it where it needs to be it's kind of nice how you snuck Steeler colors into uh, oh don't Baltimore. even start <laughs> yeah we said that when we were doing that we we're like oh gold and black I don't know yeah no it's nice we really want and that metallic um shines off that label too um I don't know. I'm not going to stick to just straight Baltimore, you know? <laughs> like, like, there are people that are coming from far out to, yeah. to get the beer as well, so not necessarily going to stick to it. But are you from Pittsburgh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. I grew I up in Pittsburgh. I that's what the dig so. was there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so do you guys have anything else you want to plug or talk about that you have coming up before we wrap up? Um, no. I mean, other than just, like, you know, we look to expand a little bit of production, but obviously we're still in the works of talking about how to do that. Um, the barrel room, like we discussed, um, the cam release this month, January 26th. Um, and then, um, just really developing a solid brand inside of Baltimore. Um, we obviously want you to visit the brewery want everybody to come and hang out in the tap room and really experience what Diamondback has to offer Wednesday through Sunday. Um, but if you're also out in the market, um, and you see us on tap, definitely give us a try if you haven't. There are plenty of fans out there who have and beer drinkers who look for it and, and drink it when it's I on know tap. The but people of Frederick would love to see it on. I tap. know. Yeah. <laughs> we actually, I got three yeah, sixels got three in the cans. car right now that nice. we're dropping off to Wants, and that'll hit some some accounts out here. I had a meeting with them two weeks ago, so we just are looking to um, get a little bit more product out here because Frederick has a really nice beer scene. Um, especially in it's this, it's the craft beer capital of these coasts. Yeah. <laughs> Some people have, what do they call it? The Napa, Napa Valley of beer. Yeah. I think Rob, Rob Goss, be a guy yeah. calls it that. So do you want to hit Chris? Yes, I do. Once yeah, more. Might, might as well, right? Okay. Graham, how are we doing over there? Graham's been nursing for a little yeah. while over there. He, we, he purposely gets neglected. Womp, womp. All right. So now, um, my group of questions I try to remember to always ask at the end. Yes, sir. What is your favorite Diamondback beer? Tom goes first. And don't give me the which is your favorite children excuse. You have a favorite and you know it. No, I do. So, honestly, uh, I'm going to say Greener Machine is my favorite beer because of kind of the whole backstory on it. It was like we wanted to do a once-a-year beer, and we wanted to make it interesting and different, and so we took the Green Machine recipe and just – blasted the hell out of it and greenered it became greenered it yeah um but th it's just like the whole culture behind the day is so much fun we all had a blast last year and the beer is great and it's highly alcoholic so people have a lot of fun <laughs> um so yeah that's kind of like my baby and i really appreciate that beer colin uh cold taxi that's my favorite uh zwickle keller hybrid beer that i like to drink um that was a close second for me. Yeah. <laughs> Tom and I, he actually, like, Tom may not, you know, Dave will be brewing one day, and I'll be like, Tom, what are you doing? And he's like, well, nothing really. And I'm like, you want to go ride around for some sales or visit some accounts? So I got to drop a keg off here because um, we do self-distribute. So um, Hub is our main self-distro guy. Shout out to Hub Galing. Um, cool guy. Definitely mans the wheel for us on the van. Um, but so do you self-distribute in Baltimore County? And then we do uh, Baltimore City, Baltimore County, Harford, Cecil, Montgomery, Anne Arundel, Howard, and D.C. Okay. Yeah. Um, we have distributors in the rest of the state. So, um, But more to the point in talking about that is um, Tom and I will just get on a ball just talking about 
um, different styles that we see out in the market and then more so more styles that we've done that we haven't really brought back. That might be a little bit more challenging to make a year-round style. Um, I'd love to see cold taxi year-round. It's just tough with the lager yeast. I know when we talk to uh, the union guys, they wanted Skipjack to be something that was consistently year-round, but it took a little while to get to that point. Um, And same with us. I mean, I'm not saying it will happen, but uh, with that being my favorite style that we brew and my favorite beer that we brew because it's got this big fruity aroma um, from the dry hop and then just a nice, clean, crisp, lager, light, um, golden body to it. Um, so I'd like to see that one come back a little bit more often, but, um, we'll see what 2018 has in store for us. Are you going to go to Zadie's birthday party (laughs) on the 13th? I'll see if I'm free. What Zayday? Yeah. Zayday. Yeah. (laughs) That guy packaged 80,000. He repacked, yeah, folded, folded 80,000 boxes. I think that's a a beast. I don't know. Amazing. 98 year old. Yeah. January 13th. Yeah. So, um, I might do that. Um, but we'll see. I like popping up there every the, once in a while. The oldest brewery worker in the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's gonna, not even close. Yeah, it's gonna catch on pretty soon. Everybody's gonna love to go up there and actually meet the guy. Probably. I also love um, following uh, Union Jenna on Instagram yep. to see her daily coffee delivery to yes. Zadie. Yep. <laughs> He's always surprised every yeah. time he gets it. <laughs> it happens every day. Oh, but every day. Yeah. oh no way! <laughs> I think it was. I think actually it may have been on shelfies with the beer guy yeah. where they were talking to him about it. And she said that yeah. um, someone who's in their 90s deserves to have coffee brought yeah. to them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to fall asleep while packing, packing cardboard. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, favorite Maryland beer? Ooh, wow. Well, okay. So no, you can't say anyone's offended her, but one of your favorite Maryland one beers. One of? And of course, you love them all. This is just not in any particular order. One that you like. Um, well, I can't wait for Sapwood Cellars to open up. That's one that I'm excited to see. Um, but my favorite Maryland, or one of my favorite Maryland beers. Tom, can I defer to you for a quick sec? Sure. All yeah. right. Uh, I mean, we don't like honestly. We don't really get to drink that much local beer. Like we get so much beer brought to us outside of Maryland, which mm-hmm. is kind of a shame. Like there's mm-hmm. so many good breweries around the area that it should be the opposite of that. Um, but I don't know. We we were over drinking at Suspended Brewing the other night. Yeah, yeah I've um, seen they, I've seen a bunch of stuff about them. Lately. Yeah, I mean they're like five five minute drive from us, so okay. it's cool to see a brewery doing a similar style beer to us. And he poured us uh, a couple of his IPAs in a session stout he had and. I mean, they're pretty spot on. So for a guy who's just getting started, I'm pretty excited to see where he goes, yeah. especially in our neighborhood like that. I'm pretty excited to see um, the way that goes, too. I always, I mean, I don't know. I'll list a couple, I guess. I enjoy drinking RARs. It's not the business type that I would have. Um, but I do enjoy drinking RER when it comes in because there's something always new from them. Yeah. So you've got something new to taste from them. Um, and you just have to love the can artwork too. Like, <laughs> yeah, I especially love like how they're on the '90s kick lately. Well, it's like the, when you that, were in school. Yeah, like that type that, thing. That S. Yeah. Cutie yeah. catcher. John Voice. Like it's a whole series coming <laughs> yeah. out with like the the paper or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm like going geographically throughout my. Attaboy's got some good stuff out here, and I love their branding too. That's just a cool company as well. Yeah. Like when you. When you talk about companies around the state of Maryland and like 
some of them are pretty young or or run by people who are pretty young or um, middle-aged and then some are a little bit older but yeah. there was a husband and wife team that and went all in IPAs were good yep. too. we had a couple of those come in the tap room i really enjoyed those yeah i mean it's pretty dominated by the ipa i'd like to see a little bit more yeah. um of the lager spectrum come out um i would say in in frederick um old mother and monocacy slash brewers alley probably do the most okay. in the non-ipa sectors yeah was that the old mother that you had um, on Instagram the other day of their system getting yes, installed? Yes, yeah. Okay, because I, I think you said, like, the mother is installed or something like that, or <laughs> yeah, mother. <laughs> um, yeah, we, Graham and I stood out in the cold for way too long <laughs> waiting for it to be delivered, then the, it to be... The yeah, our system came in the summer. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We can't get that thing out of there. Theirs came in when it was very, very, very yeah. cold. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where the brewing industry goes in Maryland, especially with this new law that doesn't necessarily affect us um, a whole lot. I mean, right now it doesn't. I'm sure it could affect us 10 years down the line deciding whatever they do. Um, But um, yeah, I would just, I would just like to see people kind of push the boundaries on some things and not so far that you're really screwing things up and making a bad name, but more so like, you know, making what, what you guys like to drink uh, where that brewery, likes to drink and um getting to us and trying it out um and then also just keep doing the same thing that everybody has kind of a different piece of the of the uh of the style pie here um and it's fun to see what what is coming out from maryland so what is the most ridiculous review you've ever received oh my god i think i saw one a while ago that i think we had like just do it more than i do I don't really pay that much attention <laughs> to it, but like Francis there, pays attention yeah, Francis, to it. Francis, yeah. Francis, <laughs> but uh, I think there was one that said like one of our beers tasted like chicken wings and ranch or something like that. <laughs> How do you even pull <laughs> those I flavors? Like, oh, I we're not veil. Like we didn't add any chicken <laughs> wings yeah. to the actual. Yeah. Glad you got something from it. Um, I, don't, I don't. We don't really see anything ridiculous. It's just everybody has their like, it, like the green machine in the tap room could taste like. Not completely different, but it tastes a little bit different from what it what it might be, um, what it might be out in the market somewhere at a different place. You know what temperature it was served at, what was on the line before, um, those sorts of things. So I haven't seen anything like super ridiculous. Something's come through and it kind of pisses you off. Like, <laughs> but then you're just like, uh, get off on tap, yeah, or it's like, why yeah. am I looking yeah. at this right now? Right, or just get off something else that um that might kind of like you're sending yourself down a rabbit hole that isn't necessarily the yeah, truth you about your company or yelp reviews too people will be like i walked in here and there were three dogs i'm not spending my time here <laughs> <laughs> like, but i okay there yeah. was um when we had line the line distilling episode he mm-hmm. said the example he gave was that um that it was something like someone in the background, most likely the owner, I felt like they were judging me. Oh, <laughs> God. Yeah, people get in their own heads, man. They really do. Sometimes, like, we'll all be in the brewery on a Friday, and I don't know, um, a couple of Fridays ago, we were just, we had a couple of really nice bottles of port, and we were, like, drinking them around the backside of the stack, and some people were like, like, why is it, why, why are you guys broing out over there, just drinking all your, all your, fancy wines over there we're like yeah. sorry like we weren't purposefully doing this someone just brought it in at some point so i don't know sometimes if you're like hanging out and getting <laughs> getting jolly behind the behind the bar people can get a little bit offended but and i've brought it up several times but i i still think the bet although gunda had some great ones that he mentioned like when they <laughs> when they came out with trumpkin oh yeah um 
like just Trump fans yeah. being completely pissed off leaving fake ones. Those right. were some good ones. Uh, but the, I still think the winner is Old Mothers that started out with, have you ever been someplace you just know won't be around in a year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's that guy doing now, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably not expanding a brewery yeah, and moving exactly. into a much larger. <laughs> it's when somebody says that, all you can do is just respond with kindness. Yeah. Like, you know, I apologize. Or... Right, so I just scanned through. Um, I don't know why I don't do this beforehand to look. Um, especially asking distilleries because every distillery in Maryland, it's all five star reviews. It's getting yeah. like I, that question is useless to most most yeah, of yeah. them. It's like anyone who tries a spirit just loves it. There aren't any the super critical like beer fans, right? Yeah. Uh, but I, I do like you went through anyone who deserved the response at least from glancing through here. You guys address anyone that has a yeah complaint. francis is really good about like the customer service kind of side of the business so he always is like looking to right any wrongs yeah like, some of these clients are like they don't yeah. deserve a response yeah, exactly. just keep it pc or don't <laughs> yeah. say anything um if it if it it if it demands some sort of immediate attention that like you have to ask some questions like what exactly went wrong then just private message yeah and just keep it private that way so that you don't start a huge uh, disorder on social media. You were going to say something to somebody. I don't need to see this anymore, so I just deleted it. Alright, well, thank you guys so much for trekking out during the polar vortex, bomb, hurricane, snow apocalypse, or whatever we just experienced. It's been great. I loved... Sorry we didn't make it to Green Machine. You can keep that one. Yeah. I will enjoy that tonight. Yeah. Uh, I loved Scott Van Pelt. That was amazing. Omar was great, but Scott Van Pelt was awesome. Yeah, yeah thank you. Um, so thank you guys for coming out. Thanks thank for you, everyone, us. for watching and listening. Thanks, Graham. Yeah, thank you, Graham. <laughs> yeah. Cheers. Cheers. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening.